Hi, guys. Hi. Woo. Can I move this more center? Awesome. Yes, I. if you didn't see on Facebook, I recently got nominated to be part of the Intern Pastor Program, which does not start until 2017, so don't call me pastor yet. <laughs> um, but I'm really excited to... Um, I'm really excited to um, speak to you tonight. Um, I feel like I have a topic that's from God that has been on his heart and been on my heart recently. And so um, I want you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And then I'll pray. Yeah, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. All right. Yeah, Father, I just pray that you would breathe upon these words. I thank you that your word is alive, God. It's living and active in us. And Father, I pray that you would just um, cut away everything tonight that limits us. Cut away, Father God, all the lies um, that have kept us from you. And Father, I pray that here tonight, um, as we delve into your word, as we hear from your spirit, that you would really bring us into a greater knowledge of truth and a greater revelation of you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. All right. So Matthew chapter six, verse 25 to 34. We're going to read that. I will read the odd verses and you can read the even verses. Ready? Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Yeah, I'm going to read that last verse one more time. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Awesome. I'm sure many of you have heard this passage before, if you've grown up in the church. Many of you have probably heard that verse in particular, that last verse, verse 34. Do not be anxious about tomorrow. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow is anxious for itself. And when I heard that voice so, or heard that verse so many times in my life, I would think like, oh man, yeah, I shouldn't worry. I should just stuff my worry in a closet and like sweep all my cares under a rug and I just won't think about them. But in reality, they're still there, right? I'm like, oh, I'm just going to gloss over them. Yeah, I'm stressed. Yeah, I'm worried. But you know, I'm just going to say that God is good and everything is fine. But in reality, in the back of my mind, there's like a real playing. 
you have to do this assignment and you have to do this for church and you have this going on and you have to call your mom and you have to do this. And what's going to happen about that thing that you said to your friend that was not so nice and you have to go apologize now, you know? There's this whole reel going on in the back of my mind and I would just be like, well, I'm not supposed to worry and it says I'm not supposed to worry so I'll just kind of like, I'll ignore it. But I don't actually think that that's what we're supposed to do, although I think many of us have that impression Oh, don't worry. That means I ignore the things I'm worried about. Oh, don't be anxious. That means I just like, like, you know, try to focus on something else and like, I'll deal with it later. But this verse, I think, is actually speaking to us about literally cutting worry out of our life. Like for it to not even be there. Now, by nature of this verse, by the virtue of it even being here in the Bible means that it's natural for us to worry. It's not like I can like condemn myself being like, oh, you worry wart, like you're terrible at worrying. You know, like I can't do that. It's like human flesh. It's natural to worry. There are so many things in our lives that are outside of our control, our futures, our families, our relationships. Like there's so many things outside of our control. So it's natural to worry. But because it's natural for us to worry, God has given us, he's addressing the problem. He's saying, you can't just worry. Yeah, it's natural for you, but you can't be okay with it being natural to worry. You can't be okay with worrying. You can't just let it in your life. So we're going to talk tonight about worry, anxiety, stress, things like midterms and futures and finals. And we're going to talk about how we cut them out of our life and why we need to cut them out of our life. Okay. So worrying in your life as college students, what is one thing you worry about? Exams, grades. <laughs> Your future. Money, getting enough sleep. Yes. Those are big things, right? And there's always the worry like, oh, like if I don't like get good grades, then what will my future look like? Or if I don't show up on time to class, what will my teacher think of me? And like, if I don't do this, or if I don't do that, if I don't do whatever, and it doesn't come through, then what will happen? What if? This is like a huge question that always comes into our mind. What if blah, 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 blah happens? What if blah, 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 blah happens? Right? So I'll tell you a quick, like, picture I had one day when I was praying with God. And I was asking God about my future, and it was pretty tough because I was actually deciding if I should come to Korea or if I should go to Africa. So, like, I want to be part of Heidi Baker's ministry in Mozambique, and I want to serve the orphan, and I want to be just, like, missionary, but I have school loans to pay, and so <laughs> I do have to work. Should I just work here in America, or should I go to Korea? Like, I don't know, Lord. I just want to do what you want to do. And then I started praying about it, but as I was praying... I kept hearing this what if question, like, but what if, like, what if I, like, I don't get a job in Korea, then I'll just be here and then I'll have to pay back my loans and my loans will start and I won't have money. And like, and they're like, but what if, what if I go to Africa? And like, what if I don't go to Africa and then I'll miss out on the opportunity of a lifetime, you know? And it was just like, what if, what if? And all of a sudden, as I'm like dealing with these questions, I see this picture of a Rottweiler. Does anybody know what a Rottweiler is? It's a really big dog with really scary teeth. And it's usually like on the police force because they're like 
yeah, they have big faces and big builds, and they're just generally scary. So, you know, if you're a criminal, you don't want a Rottweiler coming after you, okay? So, I'm there, and this Rottweiler appears in front of me. And I was like, what if it bites my ear off? (laughs) I don't know where that thought came from, but the first thing I thought was like, what if it bites my ear off? And I addressed it to God. I was asking God, and then... Exactly as I said that question, what if it bites my ear off? The Rottweiler came over and just like bit my ear off in the vision. And I was like, "Ah, blood, (laughs) so bad. It was pretty vivid. It was pretty vivid. And so I like snapped out of it and I was like, that was terrible. God, why would you give me a picture like that? What does that even mean? And God was like, I just want you to know that every time you ask a what if question, it's not from me. And I was like, what? It's like every time you ask a what if question, you tempt yourself to doubt and you take one step further away from me and my purposes for you. And I was like, <gasps> and he's like, if you ask a what if question, it could turn into a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I was like, dang, like, of course it could turn into a self-fulfilling prophecy because I lead myself into doubt and away from the presence and the will of God. But yet, what I learned from that was, what if is a source, it's a question that's brought by a source of anxiety and uncertainty and fear. And none of those things are from the kingdom of God. And so by nature, that question cannot be of the kingdom of God either. And so the real question is, do I have faith to take steps in truth and what I believe you're telling me, God, instead of asking a what if question? Okay? Yeah. So... What does it look like in your day-to-day life when that what-if question comes? If you were to step one step away and like kind of follow the what-if question, like what if I don't get my homework on time? Like what if I don't get to bed on time? Like what if I don't say the right thing to my professor, right? And you're like taking one step away, one step away from what God's like, in God's goodness, he has like, he has a path established for you, but in your what-if questions, you're taking a step away from it and taking a step away from it. There are lots of repercussions. Not only are you walking away from God in doubt and fear, but also you're affecting your own health. Because the more you walk away from God, the more you separate yourself from his truth, the more anxiety you feel. And then anxiety actually takes a toll on your body. You don't get sleep. You don't eat well. You might break out in pimples and like, you know, like some ugly acne, you know. Who knows? You might start getting a backache. You might feel like shoulders are tense. There's that physical manifestation of anxiety in your body. And then after that, even as you're going through that, your relationships might get tenser because you feel stressed. And you're snapping at people and you're saying things that you don't want to say. But you're so stressed you don't even know how to deal with that on top of all the other stress you feel. Right? At least that's what it's like for me. I don't know about anybody else. For me, it's like... Man, I just like snapped it, especially because I'm a teacher, okay? So teachers have a million things to do in the course of the day, and then you're like trying to get it done, and your student comes up to you and is like, Miss Emily, (laughs) what? (laughs) Look at my ring. It's beautiful. (laughs) I need to get to work. (laughs) And you're like working, Miss Emily, why? I need to go to the bathroom. Fine. (laughs) You know, and like if I'm too stressed, simple things like, you know, admiring a kid's jewelry or like taking to them to the bathroom is suddenly like even more stressful for me. Like, why do I even have to do this right now? 
Why am I here? This is so frustrating. It's really nothing. But I feel stressed and so it affects everything, everything. So there's three things I just want to kind of keep in mind as we go throughout tonight. And one of them is stress is a thief. Like worrying, anxiety, it's a thief. It steals your time because it can't bring any change to tomorrow and can't bring any change to your circumstances. Okay, so worrying, anxiety, stress, it's a thief. (laughs) It's a thief. (laughs) The second thing is it clouds your vision of God and hope. It clouds your vision of God and hope. And third, it moves you from a place of faith to a place of doubt. Because ultimately, anxiety and stress is solely rooted on what I perceive in my circumstances and my flesh. It's totally based on what I see and what I'm capable of. Therefore, I'm stressed because I have big problems and I am a weak person. Therefore, a weak person cannot take on big problems. So I feel overwhelmed. I feel anxious. I feel afraid. But what's missing in this whole equation? God, right, has complete absence. It's like a vacuum where God cannot enter because it just sucks him out of it, sucks your faith out because all you're seeing is what's in the natural, what's right in front of you. There's um, Rick Warren, I think, said this. I'm pretty sure Rick Warren said this. He said that anxiety or stress, worry, that it's a form of atheism. Worry is a form of atheism. Which, like, when I read that, I was like, ooh, dang. Because it's true, if you think about it. If you're worrying, you're not bringing God into the picture. You're essentially saying that God is not there, that he's not powerful over your situation, that he has no control over what's going on. But the truth is, we are not atheists. We believe that there's a God and that he says that he's with me, that he'll never leave me, that he'll never forsake me. That there's a God who's good, whose plans and purposes are working out for good. Romans 8, 8, you know? Those who follow him and love him are called according to his purposes. Like, those people, the ones who are pursuing his heart, that things will work out for good in their lives. So when I'm worrying and when I'm anxious, like... I'm essentially saying that I don't believe that. I actually don't believe that God is here and I don't believe that God is good. Or else I would be seeking his face right now and giving him my fear and my anxiety and my stress. All right. How are we doing? Good. All right. So two roots of anxiety are fear. I kind of have hit on that a lot, fear. But the other thing is distrust. Because maybe... You're aware that God is with you, but you don't trust his goodness to you. You know that God is with you, and you know what the Bible says, but you actually don't trust it. Nothing in your life, maybe, gives you a grounds to stand on that and claim it for yourself. So maybe you're not afraid, you just don't trust God to come through. And so that's part of stress and anxiety as well. Um. Yeah, I want us to turn to Philippians 
chapter 6. It's just a little, couple of chapters down a little further after First and Second Corinthians, Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians. Oh, four. I meant four. Four, six. <laughs> dyslexia. <laughs> no, I'm not dyslexic. Four, six. Okay, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the antidote to stress. It is the solution. There are actually four things in this little two verses, three verses, I can't count, three verses that teach us how to handle stress and anxiety, right? We know that anxiety is not meant to be in our life because it leads us away from God. And we're not fully happy. I mean, like, we're not even comfortable if we're stressed, right? This is how we deal with it, okay? First, if you look at the first thing, it says not to worry. It just addresses it straight off the bat. Do not be anxious about anything. Okay? For me, that means I just say no. Okay? If any thought comes to mind that causes me stress, I just say no. Okay, no. That is a stressful thought. And like, how does God think about this thought? What is on his mind right now? in regards to the situation. Because like in the apps, like how can I like talk about you have something that's causing you stress, right? And you have truth that combats the stress. But truth cannot be invited into your stress because it's it's already taking up its own space. Okay? It's there. So you have to remove that thought So that there is space for the truth to come in. Does that make sense? Okay. So the idea is like your mind has doors to it where you can like let thoughts in and keep thoughts out. And so if there is already thought circulating in your mind, you need to push it out so that you can let something else in. They cannot coexist in the same space. You cannot have your stressful thoughts running around And have the truth of God like running around at the same time. So one has to go out so that the other one can come in. That means if I'm thinking a stressful thought like like this weekend. (laughs) It's a very stressful weekend for me. I had report cards to do. I had birthday parties to attend. I had, you know, I had this sermon to prepare. I had admission documents to Torch Trinity University to you know, pull through like so many things and things were going wrong. Documents that I sent to the university, they said they didn't get on time, which I was like, I sent them on time. They should be there on time. Like, what is this? My instant reaction was to be like, I'm not, I'm not going to get into graduate school. The internship is off. Like this is bad. You know, that that is not, that's not the truth. The truth is like, I was accepted I prayed through this. This is a process that is led by God. Whether I get in or don't get in, like, I can be at peace. Like, I don't have to stress. Why stress? And then, like, I started thinking about, okay, let's say I get in. And then God tells me not to get in. 
or like not to go. That's totally possible too. So why would I stress about my documents when I can every day wake up and ask God, what are we doing today? And how do you feel about this? What about my documents? Not to worry. You've got it under control. Cool. Okay. You know, like move on with my day. Like, he can worry about documents because I have no control over the mail. I don't. So I just said no to that thought. Every time this like teaching my class, this little thought comes in, your documents, you should call the office and check on them. They're like, no, I don't need to check on my documents. It's fine. You know, God is in control. God is in control. And let that, his sovereignty and his goodness be my truth, right? All right. So the other thing is what I've learned through many seasons of similar things like this is that if I'm in a situation that's causing me a lot of stress, it is allowed in my life by God for a reason. It's there so I can grow from it and learn to trust him more. And that is why he lets it be there. Because if everything in my life was like walking through fields of flowers and rainbows and happiness and like everything was easy, I would never trust God. I would have no need to trust God. It would just be me and my own idea of how awesome I am and how I'm good at everything and how everything works out for me. But situations that cause me stress and anxiety cause me to realize I desperately need God. I have to have him. And the reality is that the stressful situations in my life continue to get greater the more I live my life. We started out with baby things in college like a test and a presentation or a big exam, maybe an application to an internship, a stressful relationship with a friend. And now an area of my life where everything's happening all at the same time, you know? And it just gets, you know, the weight of it is bigger so that my muscles, technically, my ability to push against it and to lean against God is stronger. And that that's automatically where I go to every time. So be thankful for the stress in your life because it's a key. It's like a little, like, you know, when someone walks into a shop and the bell rings on the door, stressful situations in your life are that bell letting you know there's an open door to God. And that you should go there right away. The second thing we can find in this passage is to pray about everything. Now, I know from personal experience that when I'm stressed out, the last thing I want to do is pray intently. I definitely want to pray in a kind of complaining type of manner. Like, God, I'm really stressed out right now, and I just don't want to do any of this, and can you just take it away? There's that kind of prayer, and that's okay. And I think actually that you need to pray that way first. First, there's something that I've told people that I disciple in prayer that I will share with you now. It's very good, okay? Sometimes, (laughs) sometimes before you can eat and digest food, for example, God's truth Before you can eat and digest, you need to vomit. If you're feeling sick and you're feeling sluggish and a mess because some virus that's not supposed to be there is in your system, sometimes you need to vomit before you can eat. This is the same in prayer. When your whole system and your whole spiritual life feels out of control because something's going wrong, 
Sometimes you just need to get before God and just vomit it all out. God, I'm stressed. I don't like this. I think this is unfair. I feel insulted. I'm offended. Like, whatever. I don't want to talk to you right now. I've said that many times. And then God usually goes, I know. (laughs) Thanks, God. (laughs) You're so understanding. (laughs) But after I just say everything, suddenly it's just like, the burden's off. The burden comes off my shoulders, and then I'm actually be able to like take in what's true. Okay, God, like lead me to your word. What are you speaking to me? Like, what are you saying to me just now here as I pray? What are you speaking to me through my friends, through my pastor? What's your truth that I can actually meditate on in this situation? So prayer, and then prayer changes everything. It's not like prayer is a our weak words, like. Even in your weakness, when you're just like, blah, 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 through to God, he's like, he's so intent on every word you say. Like, he really cares about the last little, you know, small if and but that you say. And he's listening. And then once you begin to pray his truth and walk in faith, he answers your prayers. Like, faith is a lightning rod to God's lightning. You just stick it up there. And it immediately attracts God. Put up your faith. God will come. And there's so many verses in the Bible, and I'll just read two of them to you, that actually encourage us to take it before God, to take our anxiety before God. The one we just read, obviously. But one is from 1 Peter 5.7. It says, Cast all your anxiety on him, Because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. This this, sentence is so powerful because all in once it says he cares for you, which means he's good towards me, he's faithful towards me, and I can trust that. So I have no reason not to go to him. And another verse is Psalm 32.8 which is, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. That means he's not blind to my situation. He's not blind to what I'm going through or my struggle. And all I need to go is like, hey, I'm struggling, God, and I need your counsel. And then he's there, and he says he'll counsel me and instruct me lovingly. The third thing that you need to do if you're feeling stressed, and this is actually talked about by psychologists as well, is be thankful. Thankfulness is really powerful. For whatever reason, it like shuts down things that are causing stress and like releases chemicals in your brain that make you less stressed and make you happy. And so it actually increases happiness and decreases stress levels, which is amazing. So if you find that you're really stressed out, sit down before God and just try to think of three things that you're thankful for. Three. And then pray them in thankfulness to God. Don't just write them down, well, I'm thankful for food and I'm thankful for shelter and I'm thankful that, you know, I have friends. You should actually pray them to God. God, I'm thankful that you put friends in my life because. And you'll find that your prayer of thankfulness will lead you into a very deep place of joy and freedom. It's really awesome. Okay, and the fourth thing 
as instructed in this passage, is to think about the right things. Whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, worthy of praise, excellent. Think about the right things. Our emotions are entirely dependent upon what we see and what we think and what we believe. So if I'm reflecting on all the crap in my life, I will feel crappy. That's just the way it works. If I'm reflecting on all the weaknesses in my life, I will feel weak. But if I'm reflecting on God's strength and knowing that I share in his strength, I will feel strong. If I'm reflecting on my inheritance in him and everything that he is to me, then I will feel like a very wealthy woman who has all access to God all the time. If I know that he has good plans for me and a good future for me, I know that I may be stuck in a job that I hate, which has been true for the past three years. <laughs> stuck in a job that I hate, but learn to love, praise God, that is purposeful. It's not what I'm called to do. It's not what I'm good at. Guys, it was not what I was good at. Kindergartners are not my cup of tea. But God taught me so much through it, and he prepared me for where I am by taking me through that. Although it was a lot of days of going, laying on my bed going, God, I don't want to go to school tomorrow. I feel like, I feel like a first grader who doesn't want to go to school, you know? Or a high school student. Like, I don't want to go. Don't take me. But then surrendering and being like, I surrender to you in this moment because I know that you're good, you know? What's true is that he's leading me through it for something better. So my question to you is, do you have an accurate perception of God? Or are you afraid that Satan has more control of your life than God does? Do you believe that he's good? And do you believe that he's a loving father who will not give you a stone if you ask for bread? In every situation, if you feel stressed, you need to ask, what am I believing about God right now? What does truth say? And that will change your perspective on everything. The last thing, and this is not part of what these verses say, but the last thing that I'll talk about is reflecting on the past and prophesying to the future. Okay. If you feel like God is not being good to you now and you feel stressed out and you don't know what to do, think back to a time in your life when God was being good to you and he was pulling through for you and he was faithful. Think back to a time in your life when you were stressed out and then on the other side of it, you saw how good it was. Because God was the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That means if he pulled you through then, he's pulling you through now. You have nothing to fear. And happiness is not everything. There is, as it says in Ecclesiastes, there's a season for everything. There's a season for mourning, a season for, you know, laughing and rejoicing, like, for everything. So this doesn't have to be a happy season of your life. But it is a season where you learn about God more if you let him teach you. So, yeah, if it was in your past, prophesy it into the future. Man, God was faithful to me then. He's faithful to me in this. He was good to me then. He'll be good to me in this. He was near to me then. I can draw near to him now. Because sometimes you go like, God, I just don't feel you close to me. <laughs> I can't feel your presence. I've been there many times. 
And then being like, why aren't you drawing near to me, God? And God's going, you have the choice to draw near to me. <laughs> Open up the Bible. <laughs> I just want, just want to feel your presence right now. Your Bible is next to your bed. Go open it. <laughs> yes, God. <laughs> and then, but when I get into the Word, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it takes a day, a week. But sooner rather than later, He answers. He draws near. Sometimes He's just testing you. How much do you really want Him? Or do you just want an easy, comfortable way out? Do you really want God in your life and to show up in his glory in your mess? Are you willing to even say that you have mess? And do you want him? Or do you just want to be comfortable? This means we have to prioritize time with God and his word. Jesus himself, in his very, very stressful life of ministry, that man ministered to thousands of people a day, for days on end. Very stressful. Very taxing on the human body. But he didn't complain and he didn't grumble. What would he do? He would withdraw to a quiet place and spend time with his dad. With his father. And if he needed to do that, I most certainly need to do that every day. And I got really convicted when I was doing this because most days I do my quiet time in the evening. After my day is done and I feel like I can just like relax. But as I did this, I was like, man, I want to do this at the beginning of my day. Just like the Israelites like received manna every day, the day's portion that they needed. I want to do this at the beginning of my day so that I have my day's portion. Because what happened to manna was if you didn't use it in a day, it would go bad. Because it's only good for that day. So I want to wake up every morning and I want to be in his word and get my portion for the day. And then go back. And I shouldn't expect that portion to last me all week. I need it just for the day. Just for right now. Yeah. The lie might hit you, as often did me in my college days, that I need to study for this exam right now. It's two hours before midnight, and if I spend time with God, I might spend an hour with God, and then I won't have time for my studies. But you know what I found? The times that I didn't spend time with God and I chose to study, it was hard. I would study for four hours, like falling asleep half the time and get nothing done. And go to bed exasperated and wake up in the morning being like, God, give me grace. I need your grace. And him being very generous and giving me the grace to pull through. But at the same time, on days that I just immediately was like, I'm going to go to God first. And maybe I spent the whole two hours with God. Oops, no more study time. But I just feel like God telling me that I should rest in his presence, go to sleep, like wake up early in the morning, feeling refreshed, like write my paper and it's like awesome. I have an excellent day with everybody. <laughs> and then there were times where people would come to me for counsel or advice. And like I had the choice. Well, actually, I can't have coffee with you. I really have to study right now. Or let me go have coffee with them. This seems like something's bothering them. So I would go have coffee. And my Logic was, it'll just be one hour. It'll just be one hour. And then I'll go back to studying. Four hours later, and they've told me their whole life story. We prayed together and like, whatever, you know. And it was good. It was so good. I'd go back home. And it's like one o'clock in the morning. God, I have stuff to do for tomorrow. I don't know what to do. And then I just go to bed. Trust God. Sometimes that's the best thing. Just go to bed and demonstrate that you trust God. 
He gives you sleep for a reason. Because you're not God and you can't do it all. So let your body rest. You'll find that when you wake up in the morning, there's fresh grace to get it all done. Like today. I was trying to stay up last night and I was like, I'm going to stay up until like 2 o'clock and I'm going to prepare this sermon. It was already midnight. I was like, I feel sleepy. I'm going to trust God. I just went to sleep. And then miraculously, somehow, I woke up today and wrote all of this. And it was God's grace. Like, I can't take account for this at all. So God is good. And he is trustworthy. And you can give him all of your time and all of your affection, even when it seems costly. Because ultimately, that is going to lead you into a step of faith, into truth, into the realization of how close he is and what he's doing in your life rather than into fear and doubt. Okay. It's good, right? Yeah. The struggle is real. But just meet with God. And the struggle will still be real, but he'll be real with you in the struggle. Right. Let's, um, let's bow our heads and pray. Yeah, God, I just thank you that you are faithful. I can look back on the countless times in my life, God, through my parents' divorce, through struggles with perfectionism and OCD, through um, difficult relationships with friends, through uncertainties, through rejection from graduate school after graduate school. And I know that you are good, God. All those things are for a purpose, that struggling wasn't futile and it wasn't, um, it wasn't needless. So I thank you, God, that you know better than me. You know much, much better than me. Yeah. Stress and anxiety is something that we all struggle with. No one is exempt from feeling stress or anxiety. And all the struggles we go through are so different and they affect us differently. Some of us are more affected by stress than others. But at the end of the day, we all have to trust God and trust his goodness and push out the stress. And that, what that looks like is that looks like surrender. It looks like surrendering to God and saying, God, I surrender my plans. I surrender my idea of good because you know better than me what is good God so I'm not going to be stressed about things that I think are failure and I'm not going to be stressed about things that I think are hard because you're calling them good in my life right now if I turn to you and lean on you so in your own words now just as JP plays I want you to just take some time personally and say God I'm going to choose you in my stress I surrender my anxiety. I surrender my idea of what's good. And I just trust that you are good. And fill me with your truth, God. Teach me how to lean on you when I'm freaking out. Teach me how to call in your name when I feel like I'm drowning. Just take a moment. Let's pray.
Yeah. Father, I thank you that you're good. I thank you that you're close to us, God, that you're near to us. And Father, we surrender right now all the anxieties and the struggles and the trials of our life to you, God. We say that you are good. And we want to see your goodness in the midst of everything that we go through, God. And so we choose to lean on you. We choose not to view our struggles as such a big thing because we know you're so much bigger, God. And so we just cast off our cares to you right now, God. We cast them all upon you and we ask you to counsel us, teach us, and guide us through the struggle so that we will have the hope that you have for our future, that we would have the life that you're wanting to pour out to us each and every day. So we thank you, Father, that that grace to turn to you is being released right now, God. And that life is going to be released to us new every morning, God, when we turn to you. We thank you that you've given to us freely through your son, Jesus Christ. The man who he himself, he didn't need to go through all of our mess, but he chose to come through our mess, God, on our behalf. And so, God, we're willing to go to mess if we can find you and find that kind of love, God. So we thank you for today. And we thank you for tomorrow. And the day after that. And the day after that. And we call it good. In Jesus' name, amen.